You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. We wanted to spend a few Sundays in September talking about the basics of uh, what we're all about here as a group of people who follows Jesus together. Um, last Sunday, Pastor Greg uh, reminded us of fellowship the importance of fellowship, and today we're carrying on. I'll be talking about um, the generations, but uh, before I get into that, I want to have a, a few clarifications or definitions. When I talk about the church, am I talking about uh, this building that we meet in? I'm not. I'm talking about us gathered together, the body of Christ this group of people, as I said, with the common heart and interest and love of Jesus together. That's the church that I uh, refer to, okay? And uh, furthermore, I wanted to remind us, as I, think, I believe Greg did last week, and we often do at the gate, remind you of what our passion is. You can read this on our website in our Statement of Beliefs. We talk about our passion and our passion at the gate and all that we do is to proclaim the name of Jesus for the glory of God. So I said in all that we do, because whether it's this gathering on a Sunday morning or something more casual or a different ministry or event that we have set up, this uh, umbrella is what we want everything to fall under, is this uh, this passion that we have, that the name of Jesus would be made made known, that God's name would be glorified, and that his kingdom would be revealed more and more to the world as we do this. Uh, for his glory. So this is our passion uh, as a church. And everything would, uh, we pray, we pray that everything would flow out of this. Now, naturally, um, what this looks like is multifaceted and and various um, because we come together on a Sunday and this is our passion, but uh, as we leave as well, as we go out after church and, and are in our other six days of the week, this is our passion then at the same time too. So what does it look like for us to passionately proclaim Jesus' name for the glory of God uh, in our lives, not just here on Sundays, but at any given moment? And I'll share with you uh, how this, one of the ways that this has taken shape in my life over the past few years, and for some reason this actually caught me off guard as I began to walk in it and pray about it and understand it. I was unprepared personally uh, for the opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus to my kids. I, was, I feel like I was personally unprepared for the opportunities to proclaim the name of Jesus to my children, the kids in my family. Um, I became a parent, and our kids began to grow up a little bit, and you know, they mature, they're not babies anymore, and, and as of today, our oldest is, is six and a half years old. Uh, so as the years have gone by, it was obvious that God was handing me situations, Chrysalin as well, every day, every day, multiple times a day, for me to do just this, proclaim Jesus' name for the glory of God to and with my kids. And it caught me off guard. I think that everything that happens to a parent catches you off guard when it happens for the first time because it's impossible to know and be prepared for what you experience in parenting until you're there. There's grace for that. Thank the Lord. Uh, So this was one of those things. And as I reflected on this and I think about it, if if I'm honest with you, I think that there was a subconscious 
uh, assumption in my heart that it went like this. Well, you know, I follow Jesus. Crystalline follows Jesus. And so as we have our children and live with them, that somehow automatically our kids would also follow Jesus, you know, by association because we follow Jesus. As I say it out loud, I, I would never say this and believe it, but I think this was maybe a, something that was subconscious in my thinking, that it was some kind of default that would just happen. But it, it's quickly become apparent to me, as I said, as, as my kids grow up, that this is actually not how it works. This is not how it was going to work. Uh, yes, children do learn, you know, by example, for better, for worse, by my very imperfect example of what it looks like to follow Jesus, they learn from that. But beyond this, there needs to be and needed to be an intentional effort on our behalf to actually proclaim his name to them, uh, to teach them and to take these opportunities. As I said, God was just handing them to us again and again, ways that we could uh, teach and, and speak with our kids and explain things and let them ask questions about God and Jesus and what we believe and all these things and discover it, in a sense, for themselves. So what I'm talking about this morning, in essence, is this uh, very obvious but uh, important fact that the next generation is not going to hear the name of Jesus unless somebody proclaims it to them. Romans 10, 17 uh, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I'll repeat myself, that the next generation isn't going to hear this name of Jesus unless somebody speaks it to them and they listen and hear it. We as believers are called to be instruments in this process of faith formation. And we all share we can all share the gospel with all people, including little ones, kids, youth, young adults, adults, all kinds of people. Okay? Um, I wanted to take a survey this morning. I love surveys. I take them online. I read survey results and statistics. I think they're awesome. Um, so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as I go through these categories, which I understand is a lot of cardio for the, this portion of the service, but bear with me. We'll get those hands going. Um, you only have to do it once. So uh, if the age group, as I progress through these sections, if it describes the time when you first heard the gospel of Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. And I'm not necessarily talking about when you, you know, perhaps made that conscious choice to commit your life to Christ or something like that. Um, but if you're here and you have heard the gospel of Jesus, that God loves you and sent his son to die for your sins, I want you to think about when that would have first occurred in your life. I'm going to go through and raise your hand if, if the age group is when this happened for you. Does this make sense? Okay. All right. Let's give it a try. Uh, ages 0 to 5. Ages 5 to 10. 10 to 20. Uh, 20 to 30. Uh, 30 to 50. 
50 to 75. Over the age of 75. For myself, um, I was for sure in the age zero to five category. I, uh, that was actually around the time that my parents came to faith in Jesus in a specific and intentional way. It was around when I was born and, and uh, first on the planet. I was interested to read, um, speaking of surveys and stats, uh, Barna Research Group is a wonderful organization that does uh, sample surveys and, and organizes information in regards to uh, Christianity and faith. They're an American group, but um, they're our neighbors, so it's always I'm curious to know what they're finding in their ongoing studies. And so Barna uh, announced in 2016 that in the age category 5 to 13, children have a 35% probability of responding positively to the message of Jesus. So if you had a group of kids aged 5 to 13, which is roughly our kids' gate um, age group, if you had 100 kids and you shared the gospel with those 100 kids for the first time, uh, around 35 of them would would, uh, receive it and believe it and have a positive response to that. I don't know if you think that that's low or high. To me, it sounds a almost a little bit low. Um, But if we think that's low, in the next age category, uh, 14 to 18, that number dives to 4%. And then in the the next category of adulthood, it it goes up a little bit to uh, around 9%. The point is that the message of Jesus is truly one for children. The message of Jesus is one for children and those who have a childlike faith. Um, Because of this, it's my desire and my belief that we are called to organize our church community in a way where children and young people are led to love Jesus. And not because they've just been told to, right, and they believe whatever the leaders are, are telling them or anything like that, but because they've been brought to Jesus. They've tasted and seen the goodness of the God who created them, loves them for themselves in this church. And so we took a survey and uh, overwhelmingly the response was in the first age category, I think age zero to five. Most of us, it seemed that would be when we first heard the good news of Jesus. Um, there are statistics to back this up and the importance of children in, in church ministries, but uh, we're not just, you know, discovering and making this up. Jesus was onto this, wasn't he? I wanted to read from Matthew 19, 13 to 15, because I can't not. Um, the children were brought to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, which means they saw the children coming and they said, whoa, whoa, no, stay back. You know, Jesus is very important and busy, and he was obviously at this time. Um, But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. He laid his hands on them and went away. So this moment happened in a culture where uh, children were seen as less significant, uh, inferior to adults. 
And so, really, the disciples were not out of line in doing what they did, if you think about it. And, you know, if, if a bunch of kids were running up to a, a very important teacher, a rabbi, and children were already sort of not supposed to be in that type of environment, the disciples are saying, no, please, please don't. Um, but Jesus had something to say about it, didn't he? He said, no, let the children come to me, because the kingdom of heaven is not for those who necessarily the world would deem as important and worthy because of whatever status they have achieved. No, the kingdom of heaven actually belongs to the little ones. The kingdom of heaven belongs to little ones. He laid his hands on them and went away. As he does this, the laying on of hands and praying is a traditional uh, way of blessing from one generation to the next. So Jesus was blessing the children with his uh, prayer laying on of hands. And I believe this is so that they, the children, would themselves know who he is. They would know their Savior in a personal way, not just through uh, you know, the adults in their life who may have been there, but that, that themselves would experience God's grace and, and grow as um, followers of him even at this young age. So with this in mind, as I said, I want us to have a a structure and a a support system in our church for this to happen for children and young people regularly, for us to never hinder kids from knowing the wonders of God, but actually to be intentional about bringing them to the feet of Jesus, as he told people to do. Bring the children to Jesus, that he would bless them, and that they would know him for themselves. There are a few ways that we strive for this on a weekly basis. Um, you've already heard about Kidsgate and Babygate as Connor had them up and dismissed them to go downstairs to that ministry. We also have a youth gate. So these are age-specific areas for young people to be discipled and to, and to grow in their faith. The first thing I want to say about these ministries is that they run almost completely by incredible volunteers. Uh, We are eternally grateful for the willing people who love Jesus and love our kids enough to serve them on a regular basis, week in, week out. I say our kids, not referring specifically to my children, but to the children of this church. Let us never take these volunteers for granted. If you volunteer in Babygate, Kidsgate, or Youthgate, would you actually stand up just for a second. Come on. Okay, there we go. Let's give them a round of applause. So you can be seated. Thank you. Um, and there's at least, uh, I think there's six more downstairs right now. We should have clapped louder so they could hear it. But <laughs> no, when they come upstairs, we'll thank them. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of people who aren't joining us this week in particular. There's so many volunteers who serve our kids, youth, and babies at the gate, and we're thankful. So these uh, programs run week in and week out. They're, they're a small way. It's not very much time, right? Whether it's Kids Gate or Baby Gate or Youth Gate, it's only a couple hours out of the week, but these are very important and pivotal points. Um, if you grew up in church, you can probably reflect on this in, as well in your life, the, the impact that uh, children's ministers or youth leaders might have had in your life. 
to, to encourage you and, and, as I was saying, bring you to Jesus and teach you about him. Um, so this is good. A new way that we're going to encourage this as well in our church is a change in Kids Gate that we're starting this fall. It's already started and you're not aware of it, so I wanted to announce it uh, in, in Sunday right now to the adults. Every five weeks, starting at the first week of September, every five weeks we're going to have a family Sunday. What happens on a family Sunday is that Kids Gate is paused and, and Baby Gate is also paused. The Baby Gate room will be open uh, for kids with little ones if they need to, or sorry, parents if they want to take their little ones down for a break. Um, but those programs aren't being provided on Family Sundays. Uh, the heart behind this, the reason for Family Sundays, is we have a desire to see all the age groups that make this church up gathered together for the worship, for the teaching, for the communion, and the prayer that we regularly do uh, during this time on Sundays. We love having programs uh, for the different age groups, but we also see the need for children to be welcomed into this environment of the church and in this setting so that our church experience isn't wholly contained to the age groups that we split it into. I should also mention, we're calling them Family Sundays, not, not to say, oh, it's for families, right? Like if you have a family or part of a family with kids, that's not really what it means. Um, it's a big picture title to remind us uh, it's, it's the family, this family, right? Our church family gathering together on that fifth Sunday to have church. Ephesians 2, 19 to 21 says, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself, is the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into the holy temple of the Lord. So again, the, talking about the, the church and the building, this is a metaphor for the church body growing into a holy temple of the Lord. We are all a part of this family, members of our Father's household, right? United not by age or by any other classification that we might impose, but for the passion that we share for the name of Jesus. So in him we grow together on normal weeks like this one and also on the coming uh, Family Sundays, which is going to be really good, which I'm very excited about. In light of this announcement, I have a couple things to ask. Uh, the first request is to those in our church who, who have young children. Um, so talking to myself here. Uh, please don't see Family Sundays as a thing to uh, dread, to avoid, or to accidentally miss out on altogether. It's going to be different. It's going to be distracting. And sometimes it's going to be difficult. I know this. And yet I urge you to see the value in during church with your kids, and I trust you with this. Our, our kids are going to see us, uh, their parents, and the people around them in church, the way that we worship, uh, the way that we fellowship with different people at, at coffee time, the way that we engage with and respond to the teaching, 
And so, in spite of the distractions, I believe wholeheartedly that our kids will be learning, they will be drawing close to God as God welcomes them in, in, into his arms every Sunday. Bring snacks, bring coloring books, and if you do bring snacks, I also welcome them wherever you can find me at. I'll be receiving them for myself. Um, it's good. Uh, I pray that we can, as I was saying at the start, just anticipate these weeks with excitement and a fresh outlook, a slight change to, to the routine and to what Sunday mornings can look like. Um, so that's my first request. The second request that I would ask is for those who do not have children. And it's actually the same request that I ask those who do have children. Don't see Family Sundays as a thing to avoid, uh, to dread, or to miss out on altogether. I've already said it. I know the kids are going to be a distraction. Uh, and you'd probably rather enjoy this, the sound of my voice and tranquility and quiet. But remember that we all can grow together as a church and bless one another, young and old, as we choose to meet in, in grace, regardless of age and some of the distractions that may be there. Um, these weeks are a way for our church family to grow, and, and it's going to be good. As I said, I'm so excited about it. Uh, I do understand the challenges, but I think it's going to be good for us to meet this way once in a while, to try it out and, and see how it goes. So that's that. Sort of a long announcement in the middle of the message. Uh, it's a little different. Uh, but what we're talking about is the importance of the next generation, right? About bringing children to Jesus as he told the people to do so that they would be blessed by him and that they would know him and have that relationship with him. Um, to continue on that theme, I believe there are, well, there's many ways that this can uh, take form. As I said at the start, if this is our passion, it's as infinite as it could be. Um, but there's a few ways that I want to challenge us all with uh, whether you are a parent, guardian, grandparent, aunt and uncle, or you don't have any kids at all in your life, this is for all of us. Um, and you probably won't be surprised that my first charge for us, uh, given the topic that we've been discussing this morning, is for us to pray. For us to pray for the young people in our church. So when you see kids on a Sunday morning, Pray. Thank God for them. Thank God for the life that he's created in each child. When it's Thursday night and you uh, randomly happen to remember that youth gate is happening somewhere and they might be having a Bible study or whatever, pray for the youth uh, that are gathered at that time. Pray for our kids. Also, as much as kids and youth benefit from our prayers and need them, uh, Pray for their parents and guardians and family members. Parents are on the front lines of, of mission, as I was alluding to at the start, and that was what caught me off guard when I became a parent, that really, uh, parent is, is missionary work, 100%. Parents need wisdom, they need love, they need patience, they need lots of coffee, they need grace. And so pray for God's provision of these things as they're on this journey and when they come to your mind. I mentioned the volunteers and leaders who are a part of our church, uh, who work with our kids. Pray for them. Pray for Brad and Shara as, as a youth pastor. Pray for 
the Baby Gate volunteers, the Kids Gate volunteers, the Youth Gate volunteers. As I said, we're so thankful for you. But we, in our Thanksgiving, should be doing something about that in the very least. And most important thing, actually, to do is to be praying, covering them in prayer when God brings them to our mind. Pray for them that they would have the things that they need, the tools, the grace, right, the understanding, the determination, the tenacity, the creativity, all these things that are going to be so necessary in, the, in these ministries. Pray for those leaders. Let's not also uh, let's also not just keep this limited though to the the leaders of of uh, children within our church. I was at a ministerial meeting this week, and there was a sheet of paper on the table where we were sitting. There's always a bunch of sheets of paper on the table at the meeting, so I was observing the array of materials and trying to figure out um, you know what to pay attention to, and and there was a just two sheets of paper stapled together with, with two lists on them. And I thought, well, what's that? So at first I was confused because all I could read about, like all that it made, I could make sense of it was just that it was a random list of uh, church names kind of in a weird order. But then obviously I'm not too bright or I was distracted or something because I paid more attention. I realized it was a list on one hand uh, was a list of all the churches who are a part of the ministerial in our city. And right next to it was a list of all the schools in our city. And so uh, I put two and two together and realized that each church in Lethbridge, who's a part of the Evangelical Ministerial Association, has been assigned a school to pray for. And uh, if this seems random or arbitrary to you, I would suggest that it's only arbitrary if we don't pray. But imagine what will happen if we do pray for the school that the gate's been given uh, for the school year. So, drum roll please. Our school to pray for for this school year is uh, Nicholas Sharon Elementary on the west side, um, which my wife attended, Pastor Greg attended. Anybody else ever go to Nicholas Sharon? my brother-in-law, a couple people. Uh, it's, it's right by the park there. I've, I've heard it said quite a bit that they're, uh, you know, taking God out of the schools, right? And they're, and they're keeping God out of the public schools. And to that I say, phooey, that's impossible. <laughs> you can't. Um, thank you very much. And so as we pray for Nicholas Sharon, imagine the power of what's, you know, even just this group of people, if, if we are just praying randomly, surely that's going to, you know, if you do some math and think of how often that might cross your mind, and, and we're committed to this in a certain sense, praying for Nicholas Sharon as the gate, uh, God's going to be working there. They can't take God out of the schools. And, if, and as we pray, he's going to be working and moving. We'll, we'll be praying for uh, the believers in the school, right, whether they're teachers or children or support staff that God would minister through their, their love and their presence there. We'll be praying for the, the kids, as I said, and, and all people. And it's, I think this is really cool. So Nicholas Sharon, we're praying for them. Hopefully we'll just kind of remind you once in a while to pray for that school. And 
um, and the leaders and kids there. And, and on that note, we'll also pray for the teachers in our church and the work that they're doing uh, in whatever school they may be. And we have a lot of teachers here, and it's really cool. So that's another way that we can be supporting uh, the kids in our lives and bringing them to Jesus is if we are praying for their teachers or the teachers that we know. Um, this is a response to the Apostles' command in 1 Timothy 2, 1-3. First of all, then, I urge that prayers, petitions, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, uh, for kings, for all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and, and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. It's good for us to do this. So, uh, this obviously, I'm applying this to what I've been talking about with, with teachers and leaders in our community. So there are a lot of people that we can be praying with and for and supporting together as we seek uh, to bless our community and seek to have our children come close to Jesus. So um, I hope that it's uh, clear that that prayer is, is where I want us to begin as a church. I want to emphasize this, that kids and youth are the future of the church. Kids and youth are the future of the church, of this church and of the church universal. Once again, we know this, it kind of goes without saying, but I want us to take hold of this and to be a church that uh, owns this and takes that responsibility seriously. Uh, what we invest in young people today, it has eternal significance. Not just in one kid's life, but in all the lives that that kid is connected to now and and in the future. That's exponential. It's crazy to think about. We should never underestimate that intentional investment in even just one child in sharing the gospel of Jesus with them and, and, and raising them up in that way. It's massive. Before I close, I want to uh, shift gears again. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Moses. You've probably heard of him. At one point in Moses' life, um, we read about him. Uh, he's hiding, basically. He's hiding in the desert, laying low because um, he doesn't want to get charged for murder because he did murder someone. So he decides to... Um, you know, live kind of an obscure life and, and be a shepherd. And so that's what he was doing, intentionally minding his own business. Uh, but God had uh, plans for the life of Moses, really big plans, in fact. And so um, while Moses was doing his best to avoid all of his problems, God kind of wanted to get in there and get his attention. So uh, God puts a bush out where he's working and sets it afire and, you know, there's a burning bush, gets Moses' attention, and through that supernatural experience, um, Moses' ears are open to the voice of the Lord, to hear what God would say to him, and to hear God calling him out of obscurity and into this crazy adventure that uh, um, you may have heard before about the Exodus and all the things that God does through Moses. But anyways, at this at this point in the story with the burning bush, God speaks and Moses hears him. 
Um, and I wanted to read just one verse from this, Exodus 3, verse 6. This is God speaking, and he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. What's interesting is the way that God introduces himself to Moses. Um, He could have said anything, but he says, I'm the God of your father. And it's my prayer, and I invite you to pray this with me, that our children would know the one true God as the God of their father, the God of their mother, that there would be people in our kids' lives who would demonstrate and, and uh, live that out so that when God reaches out and speaks to them, they would know who they're talking to, that God would say, be able to say, I'm the God of your father or mother. May the next generation in our church know the same God who spoke to Moses, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God who, who called Moses, who's called us, uh, who saved us, who's redeemed us by his son Jesus. And may the parents in the room today be following Jesus with their lives, as I said, so that the children would know this God through their example and through their teaching and intentional discipleship. May we as a church continue to walk in this and grow in it as we place our faith in God through Jesus. May we be empowered by his spirit to accomplish this very important task that he's called us to do with children and young people and and all the people for his glory. Let's pray. Uh, God, I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, you know, just thinking back on the past few minutes, what we've been talking about. I want to thank you, God, for the, those who have, uh, spoken into my life, who've spoken into the lives of the people here this morning at even a very young age, Lord, about the truth of the gospel that's, that's sustained and carried us to this place, Lord. You've put people in our path. You've put people in our, our lives and homes and churches. And we, we may not even remember, you know, the first time that someone shared the good news with us, God. But I thank you for that moment in each of our specific journeys, Lord, where we heard the good news that you love us and that you sent your son to die for us. Reflecting on this and the importance of this, God, may we as a church uh, seek those opportunities to proclaim Jesus for our kids, Lord to bring them to your feet. This is a responsibility, Lord, but it's a blessing. Uh, We are blessed in our church by the diversity of people who meet in this building and worship every Sunday. God, I pray that young and old would come together on a normal Sunday, on a family Sunday, whatever it is, whatever kind of gathering we're having, Lord, that we would come to the feet of Jesus in this place. God, you've called us to have faith like children. May we respond this morning in that way, God, by putting our trust in you wholly. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins, Lord, for adopting us into your house, for calling us your children. So we say thank you for loving us in this way, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to make us alive with you forever. We glorify your name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.